This is your Anime DGEN's Weekly Rundown 35. Let's get it! On this week's rundown, we got Bleach, Thousand Year Blood War finale. We're actually going to cover episode 25 and episode 26, double episode. We also got Rurouni Kenshin, episode 13, Jujutsu Kaisen, episode 10, and One Piece 1078. Well, I guess let's get right into it with Bleach. What do you say, Dan? Let's do it. Hell yeah. We got um, Bleach, Thousand Year Blood War 25. And 26, The Master and Black is the episode titles. And this week, it's just basically, we're up in the soul, the the kingdom, the soul palace. Ooh, what's the name of it, Dan? Shit, I forget. Uh, the, the Royal Palace. Yeah, the Royal Palace. <laughs> I'll just space it out over here. <laughs> I got me feeling like bass up in here, so... You know how he is. Uh, but yeah, we're up in the Royal Palace. Uh, that's where we, that's where all this takes place. Uh, but it starts out with Uehara explaining to like the visors and Yurichi's sister why he let Ichigo and the gang go up uh, upstairs already. And honestly, didn't know Uehara um, had another way to go up. And I didn't expect anyone to follow Ichigo and them. Did you? No, I was really surprised by that. When he was like, yeah, we got another way up. I was like, wait, why did you put them on a literal death rocket? Yeah, I mean, this must be like slower or something, but um, it's been so long since I read the manga. Like, I didn't um, really remember them. No, I didn't remember anybody following them up, you know? Yeah, I pretty much remember badass transformations, some of the powers, and the end. Like, that's it. So this has been really refreshing for me to watch. You know, I don't remember much of it. And um, I don't remember anybody going up either besides these guys. And it'll be interesting to see if they do actually make it up there or not. Yeah, well, we've noticed that they've been adding in some anime original stuff. So um, maybe maybe a few things get changed, you know, that we aren't expecting. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Kubo does add anything. I mean... If you like, you think about Attack on Titan. So, um, the mangaka for Attack on Titan says that that is the purest, the anime is the purest form of the story because he's so heavily involved in it. And he actually goes and makes slight changes and adds things to the anime that were in the manga to flesh it out more. So, maybe Kubo's doing the same thing here. Yeah. I mean, it would, I mean, it does seem like he, uh, does seem like he's trying to do something like that here, uh, in this episode, in these last two episodes anyway. So it's pretty interesting, uh, going forward to see what else he throws in there at us. So, um, but yeah, we, we're going to get straight right to it. All basically these, uh, two episodes is like pretty much just talking and boxing. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, two of my favorite things. These were like, it's funny because there's not a lot of stuff for us to talk about in this because like 
they were throwing bones and like for you to really understand how intense these fights actually were you just got to go watch it yeah so like it's like one piece you know like kaido and luffy going at it with the giant fists in the air for three episodes how are we going to talk about that you know i think this is a little bit more faster pace than uh kaido and luffy three episode span with one Ah. fist might have just been putting one piece on blast a little bit don't worry about it (laughs) maybe maybe just a little just a little um but yeah uh basically uh yuabaha and ichibay is uh up there and like i said we're just we're just getting into a lot of talking but it's not really like boring talk it's like talking shit everybody's talking shit to each other they're so cocky i mean why wouldn't they be ground uh squad zero is like uh like crazy strong like they haven't had anybody challenge them ever right i'm pretty sure not that i know of i mean last yeah. time you abaha and the crew came in with the quincy's they got taken down by the gote oh, 13 so yeah and they do mention too that the royal guard is as strong as the gote 13 yeah so they're, they're they're like five people as strong as an army you know these are the heavy hitters and i was really hoping to get to see them throw down a little bit in this episode so yeah, and uh, one thing that I really enjoyed is at the beginning of the Ichibei uh, Yubaha fight, Ichibei draws two lines on the ground, and he's like, I'm going to kill you inside those lines. <laughs> just watch. And I'm like, and, bro. It, and basically just says they're calling him a youngin. He's like, yeah, you young kid. Like He's just like talking <laughs> shit the whole time. He's like, I'm like 20 times older than you, bro. Come catch these hands. <laughs> But yeah, we we get to see a little bit of uh, Ichibei's uh, powers, I guess. Uh, he is, basically he has like huge. He can he can call in like huge body parts, um, hands. Um, you know, we see him hands, feet, even like claps. Uh, it's just it's just a crazy how actually strong he is, and he's not even like trying yet. So. Um, and he also like has the ability to take away um you watch his, uh you uh, you Baja's voice too i call him watch but hey man we were getting better at it don't worry yeah, yeah. his uh senri susencho ability of just like summoning giant hands and feet is crazy and his zanpakuto ability where he can take away and give things names that's nuts. Like the fact that he is so old school with this shit. He created Shikai and Bankai and he had his before he even gave the abilities a name. And you're seeing like during this fight, he's like, I, I guess this would be my Shikai, huh? And he's just talking bad shit. He's like, <laughs> I've been doing this for so long. I don't even know, man. <laughs> yeah. Isn't, isn't his Shikai, um, isn't that called black? I thought that was his Bankai, essentially. He called it a... Oh, what was it? It was like a Shinjujaku or something. Yeah, he called it, He said its name. Um, it was... Uh, it was Shin... I think it was like Shinjuki. Um, uh, shit. Uh, let's see. 
Yeah, so his Shikai is Ichimonji. That's when he basically adds the blade to the end of his paintbrush that I guess is his Zanpakuto. What was black then? Because that was, like that, his, was that was his, in between Ichimonji and his uh Bankai because that that's not his Bankai though, right? Uh no, so his Bankai is called Shirafude Ichimonji. Oh uh, yeah, there we go. Um which essentially is black. And anything he paints black, he can give a new name and that basically whatever he paints takes on the meaning of that new name, which we'll get into in a little bit. Okay, so that is his Bankai in black, so. Yeah, but essentially it's he he had the ability before Bankai's were even a thing. So yeah. he's just like, I, I guess this is my Bankai. It's just a sword form for me, but, yeah. you know, I'm just that guy. <laughs> but yeah, um... His his powers are pretty uh, pretty awesome. Um, like like Dan said, the ability to he was constantly um like so he explained it. His um sword or his onpakto brush, whatever you want to call it, he says that it doesn't it doesn't slash, it doesn't cut flesh, it cuts um anything in half basically the names in half i think is what he said and so he uses it on like his arms for example early on and so he said he cut his arms the name of his arms in half which makes them half as powerful and um half as useful i believe he said so his arms was heavier weaker and half as powerful and that's that's actually truly wild so. Yeah, I loved that scene after he did that to Yuabaha, and Yuabaha is like going into attack him, and he's like, "Hey, man, your your sword slashes seem pretty weak now. You good? Like just talking mad shit." Yeah, they're very gentle, man. <laughs> like, bro, Yuabaha's like dying over here. So, but yeah, um, so I think at this point, um, after we learn about all this stuff, uh. And um, we learn about him cutting names in half and all that good stuff. We actually go back down to um, the rest of the Quincy's and the rest of the uh, Squad Zero. And they're they're all fighting down there, basically. Uh, Drew Grum, he, he tries to destroy like the birdcage that's uh, stealing their Reishi. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, but he didn't, he doesn't have success. Uh, the food lady, Kirio, uh, kind of stops him and redoes it. Um, and then you have Tenjiro, which is, um, the Pompadour man to put in perspective. I know these names, we're going to throw out a lot of names here. So I'm going to try to put, uh, faces to them kind of hot spring daddy. What'd you say? Hot spring daddy. Hot Spring Daddy. Hot Spring Frankie. There we go. Bro, <laughs> Woodby's He's but, got the cool bar haircut. <laughs> but uh, t- uh, he's he's fighting Jugram right now. Um, and Sinjumaru, which is seamstress, the sewing lady uh, of Squad Zero, is fighting Ishida. And Nock Levar... He's apparently still alive. Um, we thought he was down for the count, but he 
gets back up and starts fighting a cool guy, a mohawk guy, Namaya. So <laughs> I'm just laughing at all your your descriptions. <laughs> Look, this is this is how I remember these people. Namaya is Namaya is the uh, basically the person who creates Zompak toes. <laughs> yeah, that one, the cool the drippy uh, mohawk one. guy. Yeah, the drippy um, one. <laughs> and uh i think i think that's who's fighting who uh our boy shadow dude uh what's his name uh pernita i think shadow boy he's still yeah, down for the count so yeah, we were calling him pp last episode oh well no <laughs> wait we was calling pp yeah it's like i can't remember his whole name but it's like two p's oh well that'll get confusing because we got a pepe Still, right? I think Pepe's dead, right? Yeah, he gets he gets brought up later by uh, okay. Bambi and them. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's who's fighting each other. They're just like going back and forth, kinda. Um, they're really fifty fifty right now with the with the squad zero kind of um coming out on top mostly. I yeah. would say. Squad Zero bodies them all pretty good, um, and they're not even fighting with like a tenth of their power. So uh, basically, Squad or uh, the Royal Guard Squad Zero defeats all of these people pretty quick, pretty easily, in my opinion. And after that, we kind of head back down to the Soul Society, which I didn't really see coming. I thought we were really going to focus on the Royal Palace, but we see like Giselle sucking the life out of Bambi, who's a zombie. <laughs> So that was kind of hot. Big fan of that. <laughs> well, and the bad thing is, you know, her placement was uh, in a very weird place, too. And so I was watching this this afternoon and with my uh, mom in the living room with me. And it started to go. It went to this scene. I was like, uh, OK, it started making these weird. Like, if you if you watch this, you know what sound she was making. Like, oh, it was. She was sucking. She was sucking yeah. something out of it. Life, blood, I don't really know. Yeah, it, it sounded really bad. And then where she was at looked really bad. And I was like, it's not what it looks like. I promise. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, what what all, what all does she do, though? Uh, she says a few things, I believe. Uh yeah, basically, she starts parading Bambi like you're alive for one. Well, you're you're not alive, but you're there for one reason is to keep me alive. And that's all you're good for right now, essentially. And then Lilodo shows up and they kind of talk about everything that happened over the last three or four episodes. She says that she killed Pepe uh, and took out Met. Me? Yeah, uh, it's a nickname for um, Meninas. Okay. Red haired Quincy chick. So, and the Soul Reapers got Candy. So, there's a chance that Candy and Minias might still be alive, but they don't know. And then after that, you know, after they kind of regroup and get an idea of what's going on, we go back up to see Ichibe. And like we said, they kind of went into what his power is. And he's kind of, he's kind of given Yuhabaha the run. And he actually cuts his name in half. So his name is Yuh. Yuha. Yuha. Spelled Y H W. So don't tell me how that says Yuha, but we're gonna roll with it. Yeah, I think he I think he said uh Yuaba. 
I mean, you uh, uba, you uba, you uba. Yeah, that's what he was saying. You uba. <laughs> so, but so Yuabaha is getting pretty boxed up. But then he uses the most broken ability he probably has in his bag, Ash Wallen. So he collects the lives and power of unnecessary comrades. Is the word they use. So basically, he sacrifices all the Quincy's that are down in the Soul Society to take their power and redistribute it to the people fighting the Royal Guard and himself. That is a shit ton of Reishi. There are a lot of Quincy's down in the Soul Society. Yeah. And what that... I was going to say, and that also... um, Not only does that take away uh, all their abilities or basically takes their life, so their power force, whatever. But he brings it back up and like it destroys like you have to see it. Like it it creates like a ring around everything. It like basically explodes the uh the royal palace area with I guess Reishi and like just disintegrates like the bird cage and everything that's up there. Um which is wild um yeah definitely and a lot of the quincy's down in the soul society too are like this is bullshit and they start trying to (laughs) fight back but they all end up looking like a literally a piece of beef jerky like they look like dehydrated at this point like they're just a husk (laughs) of their former selves (laughs) yeah i'm feeling i'm feeling awful sad for basby over there he was he was he was ready bro and he wasn't ready to go fuck chicken head bro (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so after that, we get to the credit scene and we see Ukatake is performing Kamikake so we can go all out. I'm not really sure what this ability is. I can't remember. And like, there's this either. weird shadow that came out. So I'm interested to see where that goes. <laughs> and we literally see the head captain, <laughs> Chunsui, just walking away like, eh, I'm going to go get a drink. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing, man? <laughs> He's, you know, he's, he's just wanting to go get a drink, man. It's, it's, you know, it's happening. They, they seen all this, uh, power going up and he was, I'm pretty sure he, uh, mentioned to Ukatake that, um, the Royal Palace is the one that's in danger now after that happened. And he, I guess he's not able to get up there. Um, and he knows it. And so he's like, Hmm. Well, I mean, all the threats gone down here, so we're not in danger anymore. They are. So I'm going to go drink. (laughs) Definitely, man. And like this episode was really interesting to me because it started off and it looked like the soul, the soul society, you know, the Royal Guard was getting a massive upper hand on the Quincy's. And then Ash Wallen happens and we don't get to see what actually goes down after that until the next episode. So you want to get right into that? Yeah, so uh, this next episode, uh, we're getting into episode 26. It's called uh, Black, I believe. Um, yeah, Black. The first one's called The Master. And basically, uh, the Quincy's, we, we open it up and we see the Quincy's up top in the Royal Palace. They ha- get all the power flowing into them. And they, uh, they is, is it called Stern Ritters? Um, the power, or is that what they're called when they the Stern, get the power? 
the Stern Raiders are just all of the Quincy's in okay, yeah, Yobaha's yeah. army. I got you. Well, the Stern, Stern Ritters or the Quincy's, um, they get their wings now. So they're like, um, uh, this is like their bonk guys. I'm pretty sure, right? Um, and Yubaha is just telling Ichibe that no one takes anything away from him. Everything in this world exists for Yubaha to take. And the Soul King wasn't an exception. That is what this man tells him after he opens up the uh, Oshwalan, I believe it's called, and gets all his people. All the people that was dead or down for the count is back up and has wings now. All the um, Stern, Stern Ritters that is um, fought, was fighting Squad Zero. So now they're more powerful, they're back alive, and they're ready to fight again. Definitely. So we get into, uh, before that, I guess um, Ichibi creates like a giant seal and there's this really weird scene with like ice all over his body after the seal scene. So I think Ichibe tried to seal him there, but he just wasn't strong enough to do it. So was that it? Was that Ichibe's? Anything with writing is Ichibe. So, yeah. Oh, see, I, for some reason, I thought that was you Abaha's um, thing. So. Ichibe actually tried to seal him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, hey, he tried that to pull a little Naruto, sense. you know? Okay. And you think that's what the body and ice was? I think so. That's kind of the vibe I got, but I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, we all this was happening kind of a little bit fast, so um, but it was really good. Uh, but yeah, all the people, um, Lila Barrow, which was the sniper, uh. He's back, and, you know, he was down for the count. Uh, Sinjimaru uh, and, uh, well, Lil, Bar Lil Baro is fighting uh, Namaya now, which is uh, Riz God. Um, <laughs> and Sinjimaru, the seamstress, is... Wait a second, I skipped something. Yeah, so that's the scene where uh, Lily Barrow basically shoots Namaya in the shoulder and then proceeds to shoot him in the chest with his abilities. So his new ability with his awakened powers is called X-Axis. So there's no there bullet. Go. So everything between him and his target will be taken out. And so he gets pieced up pretty good. He gets two pretty you know, softball-sized holes in him from this attack. And Senjamaru kind of grabs him and heals him up using this weird, like, it looks like cotton, like a ball of cotton, but she sews it into him and heals his flesh, which is such a broken power, dude. Yeah, I thought I th it reminded me like putty. Okay. But cotton makes more sense because she is a seamstress, so. But yeah, and then Kyrio puts a massive massive birdcage back up so birdcage 2.0 and then we get into a lot of boxing we see valkyrie attack senjimaru but it doesn't work basically all four of these uh royal guard members are doing 1v1s right now they're like each in their own little domain of the birdcage if that makes sense or the womb as they're calling it too which Kind of weird in my opinion. <laughs> but so Valkyrie's going after Senjimaru. She he's trying to attack her. It doesn't really work. Senjimaru pins him down and attempts to kill him with her needle. And 
it, the needle just goes right through him. Like it doesn't even go like it doesn't pierce him. Sorry. It can't affect him. He's just that jacked up on this, you know, all this reishi he's absorbed. We have Curio attacking Pranita. Pranita, also known as PP, the shadow guy. Uh, Pranita is just absorbing and basically eating Curio's attacks, which is crazy. She tries to seal him up, and he just does his magic where he condenses everything down to a small ball. Uh, Tenjiro is fighting Nock Levar. We got a Blood v. Blood battle going on. That's a really good matchup, too, honestly. Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, we forgot to mention that in the last episode, Tenjiro used his... It was like red water instead of clear water for his hot spring magic, which replaced all the blood in Namaya's body after he was poisoned. So they're going at it. Perfect matchup for Tenjiro. He finally gets in front of him, only for him to vault over him and shoot him through the torso with an arrow. We got Namaya going at it against Libaro. And Namaya has like a big brain plan here. He's like, all right, I'm going to have Yuhabaha in the background behind me so you can't use your attack. But I guess he didn't understand what Lily Barrow was really saying there. Because how his attack works is anything between him and his target, not behind it. So he basically goes to defeat Lily Barrow and gets boxed up. He gets shot yeah. and goes down <laughs> and... Yuhobao is never in any danger there. We get back up to Ichibe versus Yuhobaha. He uses Secret Hado number three or Tepu Sadu. It's like this crazy dragon fire beam. Shit was hard. He used that to defeat uh, Yuhobaha's shield he put up and grab his neck. Yuhobaha starts trying to absorb Ichibe, but Ichibe, like this, this whole episode was just so fast paced. Like, we're kind of running through it quick, but it's it, you got to watch is what we're saying, you know? And then after that, Ichibe uses black and this uh, this ability is broken. So basically, this is his Bankai. And anything he paints over with this black paint is turned. He can basically give it a new name and he gives you the name Black Ant. Basically <laughs> saying... You're as strong as an ant now, buddy. Good luck keeping up with me. <laughs> I love that. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. love the shit talking, man. This this episode was nothing but shit talking. Dude, Ichibe's got freaking. He's got. He's a wordsmith when it comes to talking shit. <laughs> so after that, the birdcage starts to crumble because Curio was defeated. Um, Yuhabaha uses an attack called Sankt Alter and absorbs Ichibe's black, saying it's his power now. And Ichibe turns white as you can as you can be. Like he looks like I mean, I know he's an old man, he's like two thousand years old, but he looks like an old man now. And Ichibe with his ability basically sucks up the black from everything else, you know? Gets his powers back. And after that, you know, Squad Zero's down really bad. So this is the polar opposite of the last episode. But they decide to get a little serious. And three of the Squad Zero members kill themselves. Saying, all right, Senjimaru, do your thing. And it turns out that they have a seal on their powers because they're so damn powerful. That they exchange their lives for her to use her Bankai. Which I guess is anime original. The yeah, Bankai's... The Bankai is, apparently. So the name of the Bankai is Shatatsu Karagara Shigura Minotsuchi. And go. this Bankai was nuts. 
basically she trapped everybody in like their own fabric world and just like traveled between them, boxing them the fuck up. So like at this point, she's as strong herself as like five freaking groups of the Royal Guard. She is very powerful. And I I don't really know how to um um describe her bonkai uh form. It looks like just a bunch of curtains with like a red carpet flowing down the middle and uh I don't even know what to call the rest of it. I, I'm sure it has something to do with sewing and seamstress. Um but it's actually it was actually really uh I guess pretty. I guess yeah, you say it looked I was gonna say, it was it was beautiful the way they animated it was gorgeous. Yeah, it looked like it looked majestic. You know, it's the best word I can describe it as so. But yeah, so she used unravel one honk or hank. Honk? I think it was honk. Yeah, abundant, it's like hanks or honks or something like that. I'm not yeah, sure. But abundant blooming of eyes. Anyone who looks at them loses their sight. And she encloses Lily Barr with eyes all around him. He ends up in a piece of fabric. She uses Unravel 2, Armor of Blade Steel. This is a spike trap that closes in on itself and seals away whoever is in it forever. She does this to knock. Unravel 3, Bowels of Black Sand. She basically creates like quicksand of like just pure black that sucks Pernita down into it. She goes Unravel 4, Freezing Bed Linens. Which sounds terrible. I like a nice cozy bed. <laughs> but she basically puts the target to sleep to never wake up again. They freeze. She does this to Valkyrie. And then she uses Unravel 5 Honks, Burning Field. They are trapped in fire until they burn to death. And Ugrim has to suffer through this. So she essentially has like five bond guys in her back pocket from what I can understand. Like the shit was nuts. And this this happened pretty fast. Like as soon as she uh, opened her bonkai up, like she pieced up the the uh, stern ritters up there one by one, just back to back to back. It's just like okay, y'all thought y'all was shit. No, y'all not shit. <laughs> yeah, and let me correct myself. There's actually six because she pieces up Ashida too. She uses Star of the Dark Knight on him. And he's absorbed by the abyss and led into the afterlife. Like uh, the funny thing uh, is about this one, he's the only one that um it didn't show like to be in incapacitated though, which is weird. Yeah, I still think he's fucking boxed up though. I mean, I don't yeah. understand it. You know, it's like holy shit! What did, this happened in like two minutes? Like it was crazy to watch. <laughs> And um, also with the Star of the Dark Knight, the six unravel, it um, it it had all of Ishida's like, I guess soul or reishi or something being sucked into what looked like a Quincy symbol, right? Was that a Quincy symbol? Yeah, it was like a, it looked like it was a Quincy symbol, but it kind of looks like it was almost on the fabric. So after she does all of this we see like five pieces of fabric hanging in the sky and it has each Quincy inside of it. So like she basically traps them in fabric. Like this shit is broken. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. She pieced all these, uh, all these big baddies up, even with their like wings and this uh, overflowing power that they just received from you. Abaha. She still pieces them up. No problem. 
it is, she didn't even break a sweat. So, but yeah, so after that, we go back up to Ichibe versus Yuhabaha. And Ichibe says that if he unleashes Ichimanji, everything, Soul Reapers, Quincy's, dead, alive, it don't matter who or what you are, anything that is black because his becomes his. This is what I mentioned earlier when he basically sucked up black from all this stuff to get his powers back. And we were talking about how he basically gave Yuhabaha this new name, Black Ant, by activating his quote-unquote bankai, Shinuchi Shirafude Ichimonji. He can etch a new name on whatever is painted by this black ink. Um, like we said, this is this isn't even a bonk guy because he's like, oh yeah, they didn't have bonk guy when I came up with this shit. I'm OG. <laughs> he said, I guess you can call it a bonk guy if you want to. <laughs> but he mentions that Yuhabaha is has the power of a frail, feeble black ant, crushes him with this giant foot, and we see Yuhabaha basically start free falling like he's done. You know, it was it was crazy to see. And seeing the big baddie of a of like this entire arc get pieced up like that, I'm interested to see where it goes in the next season. Yeah, um, which is supposed to be coming out next year. They've already uh, got a release date, uh, not a release date, but uh, it's already confirmed. Which I get, we knew it would be because this is this is some of the best like Bleach that I've ever watched. So honestly. Definitely, and we're not going to get into the five minutes of cone. We don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, they had like a, a after credit scene of cone, and uh, you know, I was expecting. York, maybe. Yeah, I was expecting an after credit scene, but I was expecting like a lead for you know the next season or whatever. But no, we don't get that. So, did you watch it? I watched. I watched uh, most of it. I didn't really pay attention. Did you? My super buff Cohen dude. <laughs> my 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 dog actually was going wild because every now and then Cone would like squeak like a dog toy, apparently, and like she did not like that at all. So she was just going wild. I can't blame her, man. <laughs> uh, I kind of wish I had Cone uh with me that way she could play with him. So because eat him alive, that'd be a good yeah, dog toy. Fuck Cone. Yeah. Yeah, that made me mad. Honestly, I was like, I want to see kind of what's gonna happen. What we're what we're expected to see, um, coming uh coming next, you know, next season, and we just didn't get any of that. We got a bunch of bullshit. So definitely, man. Well, you want to get in the kitchen? Yeah, let's let's get in the kitchen. Let's do it. So next, we're gonna talk about Ruin Kenshin episode thirteen, battles end. So the epic battle between Kenshin, the Oniwaban group, and Hanru, the king of the Gat-Gat Blicky, finally comes to its conclusion. So we pick up right where the last episode left off. The scene before the intro rolled was from last episode. It was Shikijo sacrificing himself to protect the leader of the Oniwaban group, Aoshi, and getting Gat-Gat-Gat-Gat-Gatted. And after that, he says, I'm glad my muscles could be used as a shield that protects against bullets to protect you. And he's talking about, like, I achieve these muscles through willpower and steroids, but no worries. You know, we're just strong. Hey, <laughs> and I mean, I was, at least he admits it, bro. Most, most people don't admit it, so. 
definitely. But so uh, Shikijo goes down for the count. Enter, you have next Hitoko and Bashimi enter the fight. Uh, this is pretty, pretty elaborate in my book. You know, basically, if you guys remember, Kyotoko is the big red fireman who has a sack of oil in his stomach. <laughs> so he's charging after at Conru, like, you can't shoot me in the stomach, bro. You'll cause this whole place to explode. Watch out. And Connor kind of comes in. He's like, I'm smarter than that. I'll just shoot you in the head. <laughs> <laughs> so he shoots Kyotoko in the head. And I was really surprised by this. Mashimi is actually hiding in his oil uh, barrel that he keeps on his back and bursts out and tries to shoot that little drill at Conru. But Conru is able to deflect it with bullets from the gat and defeat them both, which was I mean, kind of sad to see. Yeah, I mean, it just shoots so fast, man. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a pretty high IQ play, but the, the Gadlin, it's just, it's just wonderful, you know? I, I, I would love a Gatlin gun, dude. That'd be so fun to shoot. <laughs> just take it to a rage, bro, and just wind <laughs> it up. <laughs> I would, I would be sitting there screaming, gat, 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 gat yeah, the entire I mean, time. I'm not even going to lie to you. You have Connor, to after seeing this shit. So. Connor knows what he's doing, man. <laughs> but after that, Connor basically says, I'm not going to be confused and tricked by your circus tricks. I'm the ruler of the Gatling gun, and that's going to be the ruler of the world. <laughs> this man is putting so much stock into a weapon, dude. It's insane. I like that he uh, he tr he starts using like the... Uh, the broken English a lot during this episode, and I really enjoyed that. I was cracking up because, like, I'm listening to it. And I'm like, "Where are the subtitles?" And I'm like, "Oh wait, he's talking <laughs> terrible English." Like, Gatling yeah. is wonderful, and I'm like, "Bro, just talk Japanese, dude. Stop." <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. It it, it gives it a, like a, a a unique feel, I guess you can say. So he thought he was the one, you know? You gotta be pretty damn excited to not talk in your native tongue, dude. Like <laughs> <laughs> He was. So. so after our next two members of the Oniwaban group get defeated, we get a little flashback. And the Oniwaban group, so everybody's there. They're watching Hanya and Aoshi train. And Aoshi says something that I thought was pretty interesting. He's like... You know, you shouldn't smile during battle. It's going to cause you to have an opening. And Hanya's like, am I smiling? And I'm looking at him I'm like, <laughs> he doesn't have face muscles. How can you tell? I don't, I didn't, I mean, I guess I kind of understand what they was trying to say, but I don't understand, like, like, what, what was the point of that? Because he, I don't think he was smiling. Maybe he was just, they knew he was happy to fight alongside them, maybe, and they was just, I, I, I don't know. You can't tell that man smiling. There's no way. So. I can't tell. But basically, the point of it was that Hanya finally found a place that he belongs, you know, and he finally found people who respect him. And I think he enjoyed that. And that's why they had that scene put in. You know, it just shows how much that all these guys care about Aoshi for taking them in in creating the Oniwaban group. That's what I thought it was going after. Yeah, and, you know, he he done his face like that for them, so, like, 
it would be kind of messed up if they didn't make him feel at home. So, oh, definitely, dude. His face is gnarly. <laughs> but after that, we have Hanya talking to Kenshin, and they're coming up. Basically, he's like, I'm going to be a diversion. How long do you need to get your sword? And Kenshin says, About 10 seconds. And Hanya's like, Damn, bro, that's kind of long. I don't know if I can pull this one off. <laughs> But he charges after Connor gets blickied the fuck up again. Dude, the Oniwaba group just went down in this episode. Like, they were just falling left and right. I mean, there's not a whole lot they can do, you know, with the Gatlin. The Gat, Gat, Gat. So. I mean, you can't run directly at a Gatlin gun. You got at least Serpentine or something, you know? Like, come on, guys. I mean, you like, and the fact is, is he, I think he might have been like the fastest of all of them maybe but he ran unless, straight <laughs> yeah unless aoshi is faster because he's the leader but he definitely could have made him miss more but i think maybe that was his that was his you know goal was to run right at him maybe he thought if he run around and tried to make him miss you know then he would might aim at kenshin i don't know that's true that could have been it but after that, Kenshin successfully gets his sword back. And Connor is like, oh, we got a sword. That's really cool. I got a fucking Gatling gun, bro. <laughs> and he goes to attack him and he actually runs out of bullets, which is crazy. I mean, this thing had like thousands of rounds in it. And Kenshin's like, oh, you should have thought about that before you just started firing this thing off all willy nilly, you know, all over the place. Like you weren't conserving ammo. There's limitations to what you can do with a Gatling gun. Yeah, I think he even said uh, it's capable of 200 rounds per minute. You have to you have to think about it a little bit. I'm like, okay, Kenshin, okay. I see you talking shit too. We'll just continue straight from Bleach. Definitely, man. And Kenshin said something too that I really liked. He said that the lives of the four Obi-Wan, Obi-Waban members were enough to defeat the Gatling gun. And he's not wrong, you know? And Connor's all scared now because Kenshin's pissed. <laughs> he is he is not a happy guy right now and Kenshin basically says if you need help why don't you go ask all that money you got dog like I'm coming <laughs> <laughs> and man just starts begging like the like the piece of shit he is so definitely man Kenshin takes him out with one blow blows him into a wall Connor's down for the count and one thing I thought I really liked is so Aoshi's still on the ground. He's been shot and you see Sonosuke reflecting on how much Aoshi actually lost in this battle because he didn't only lose the fight with Kenshin. He lost his entire family. And he states that he was really impressed with how much he actually could hurt Kenshin and like just respected him for what he was able to do in battle. After that, they free Megumi she apologized for all the trouble she tried. She put them through and then proceeds to try and kill herself. That pissed me off, man. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, she's going to try to commit a uh, seppuku except on her throat. <laughs> so she goes to stab herself and Sano grabs the blade and is like, no, 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 no. You're not getting off that easy. Like, we just went through all that shit and you're just going to off yourself. Fuck that. Yeah, it was, it was it was kind of like an iffy uh, thing for me. Like, if you're gonna, if if you had those uh, intentions because you killed all the people with the opium or whatever, um, then why would you wait for your saviors to come 
uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's just weird. It's a weird placement. So definitely. And after that, she the police show up. She gives Kenshin a bomb that is, you know, a ancient ancient secret of her family to heal his wounds, stop the bleeding. And she decides to turn herself into the police because, you know, she was a key component of this opium ring. When she's turning herself in, uh, basically the cop, the chief police chief is like, were you involved in this? And she goes to say yes. And Kenshin just grabs her by the mouth <laughs> and is like, no, 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 no. She wasn't involved in this. She's a doctor. It's all good. I got her. And, and the chief's being forced. Yeah. And the chief's just sitting there like, well. You're Kenshin. We're good here. <laughs> Bro's got the pool, man. He's got the he, pool. He's got a lot of respect with that police chief. And I like that. You know, he did a lot for his country. He might have been a manslayer, but, you know, he he has the respect to make those good decisions. And I like how the police chief let it slide, you know? True. I really enjoyed that, too. As I, I thought she was going to go down um, for that. And... I was like, how how are they gonna get out of this? And then get you know, Okenshin. He comes back and saves her basically. Oro. Oro? And Oro. I loved how Yahiko in this part was like, My name's Yahiko. I'm a Tokyo samurai. My sword will never swing for an opium dealer. You know, just gassing her up, backing her up. And then Sano is just like, I was just here for the boxing, man. I'm I don't give a shit about this chick. I just wanted to fight. <laughs> Zano is basically Dan. <laughs> He's just here for the boxing. That's it. Hey man, I like a good plot. Bass is here for the boxing. Come oh. on. Oh, is it Bass? Okay, okay. Bass I'll trust king. you this time since Bass ain't here to defend himself. He's the king of the fist, dude. Come on. <laughs> True. He 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 had us watch uh, Afro Samurai. So and that's that's all it is is boxing. So it was literally nothing but boxing. <laughs> dude didn't talk much at all. So. So after this, Connor's taken by the police. Kenshin tells Mikumi that her medicine should be used to heal many, not just the sword of the Potosai. Hands her back the medicine he she gave him, and you should really become a doctor. You should put your skills to use protecting and saving people. So after that, they head back to the dojo, and Miss Kaoru, Kaoru's back, and before this... <laughs> They're like, oh, let's head on back. And they're like, what happened to Aoshi? And he's like, the police chief's like, what are you talking about? Who's Aoshi? And they go into this, and it turns out that Aoshi cut the heads off of his Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan group members and fled the scene. And at this point, they're panicking. They're like, oh, he got away. And they talk about the secret passage that Kanru had. And they find... Aoshi basically sitting or standing on a wall with literally four heads in his hands. Like that scene hit, dude. That was hard. <laughs> it did. At, th- at first, I thought um he had him on stakes or something, and then it zoomed out and it showed him just carrying him. And I'm like, okay. I mean, uh, I I guess he's gonna give him a proper burial. Maybe their heads only. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what he's thinking, honestly. Yeah, that's so. exactly that. You can't carry those four bodies out of there. I don't care how strong you are, dude. Those dudes were huge. I mean, more power to him, I guess. I, I guess uh, people like that think differently, you know? So Definitely. But Kenshin and the police and everybody track down Aoshi as he's fleeing. 
And Kenshin's like, let's box one more time. I want to give you the opportunity to put the strongest on their gravestones. Yoshi flees. He's like, I, I can't hand that. I can't hang right now. And basically tells Kenshin not to die before he can defeat him. Which was an awesome scene, man. I really like Yoshi as a character, honestly. He's just like such a cool character. He just doesn't have the right... What's the word I'm looking for? His motives are good, but his execution is not the way it should be, you know? I feel it in my in my mind, he is kind of like San uh Sanosuke, kinda. Except for like, you know, out of all the bad guys we've had, you know, Sanosuke was a bad guy at first, but he come to the good side. But obviously Aoshi isn't gonna come to the good side, but he still wasn't like a true, true, true bad guy. Because he did care. Well, I wouldn't say he cared for uh, Megumi. He, you know, he gave her an opportunity to uh, free herself, kind of, of, what's his name? Uh, From Conru? Yeah, Conru. So, he's not a true, true bad guy as much as you know, some of the ones we've seen before. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah, definitely. I think he just, he comes from a different world. You know, he was a ninja for the Shogun before this new era. So he was on the opposite side of Kenshin and they just have different ideals based on that, you know, but neither of them are right. Neither of them are wrong. It's kind of how I looked at it. They just come from different worlds. I think if it wasn't for the Oniwabon group, um, you know, his uh, fam- companions or whatever, I think that he probably could have went down a different path and been a somewhat decent person. So, Yeah, but I think that him not going down that other path and not basically like casting aside his friends, essentially his family, you know, makes him a good person in that sense. You know, he really cared for his subordinates and he didn't just cast them aside to go get a cushy job in the military, you know? True. But what if he actually used the Onawaban group for good, you know, and not evil like there, opioid so yeah i mean he was just working for ever paid him and there yeah. was no way that the uh, government was gonna hire <laughs> that that freak show that he had with his on his team you know any of those guys yeah i mean, I mean there's there's probably ways he could have worked around it though honestly and kept his team hidden um until uh so the government didn't know what he had working for him or whatever so i don't know yeah, that's true. That's still that'd be, that'd be kind of tough. I feel like you know. Yeah, but Aoshi isn't the typical uh, villain antagonist in this. He's he's actually a decent one, so we'll give him that. Yeah, definitely. So after that, they head back to the dojo, and Kaoru has breakfast and a bath ready for them all because she knows they've had a rough night. <laughs> and Sano and Yahiko try are like, oh, you know, that's great. We're going to go to bed, though. We're beat. We're tired. <laughs> and she's like, no, I just did all this shit. You're sitting down and having breakfast and taking a bath. <laughs> and we finally got some comedic aspects back to Rioni Kenshin, which I enjoyed. You know, we haven't had it's been pretty, pretty serious for probably the last like three, four episodes. And they're going to eat this food. And I think it was Yahiko is just sitting there like this shit sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he did, and uh, it, it didn't go so well. So, <laughs> no, 
So after everybody rests up, Megumi uh, gets hooked up with the town doctor to be her apprentice, even though she probably knows more about medicine than he does. But she's got a place to stay. She's got a place to stay. She's got somewhere to work now. So good for her. And <laughs> when she's walking away, this was so funny. She's like, hey, Kenshin, if you ever get tired of Kaoru, hit me up. You can come riz me <laughs> up. I got you. <laughs> and Kaoru's just so pissed off. And she's walking away and says basically the same thing to Sonosuke before saying, like, if you can change, become more of a man. But you're <laughs> already 22. You can't change at this point. <laughs> I love and, that shit. And, and as she's walking away, it flashes back to the dojo with the gang. And Kaoru's got a sign that says, no female foxes allowed. <laughs> oh, Kaoru's out for this lady. Holy shit. I just I just can't believe Megumi was like, bro, Sanosuke, like if you was more of a man like Kenshin, you know, I'd think about becoming your partner. So Hey man, like, she's damn. looking for a strong man. I like that. Good for her. I mean, I, I think Sanosuke is about as strong as you're gonna get, uh compared nah, to with, Kenshin. I was gonna say of. not with Kenshin standing right there, you know? Yeah. And then the episode ends with Basically, Kenshin's talking to Sunosuke, and he's like, did you, did you talk to Shikijo at all? He says something kind of weird to me. And it turns out that when Shikijo was passing Kenshin, he said to him, you know, that he complimented the bird brain. He's basically calling Sano a bird brain. He's like, that guy's got a shit ton of potential. He's going to be a great fighter. <laughs> bird brain. <laughs> I was laughing. I, I, I love the comedic side of it. And we get a little post-credit scene as well. We see Aoshi at the group's grave, and he enters a dense forest that the locals never entered. There's like a woodsman or something. He's like, don't go in there. You know, it's dangerous. And he stated during this that he can't leave flowers at their grave yet because he hasn't defeated Kenshin. So I'm assuming he's going to train, and he'll be back. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know. I'm sure you do, but... I don't know when we'll see him again. I'm, I'm would say that he's not going to be the next villain again. Hopefully, it'll probably be later on down the line. I assume so. Yeah, I can't remember if he comes back or when he comes back, but it's set up for him to come back. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, what do you think about like the overall battle and everything? Like the last few episodes, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the, because I mean, Ayoshi kind of pushed Kenshin to limits we haven't really seen since uh, he fought the scary guy uh, with the hat. I forget his name. Uh, but uh, we can we kind of see him put get pushed a lot, and he actually you know takes uh, he actually takes a good amount of damage, and he actually fell a few times. So it seems like. As the season's going for Kenshin, um, he's getting into more challenging foes and the battles are becoming harder, which I'm all for. So, Yeah, and it's only going to get more difficult from here, too, because that's just how shonen anime works. Yeah, and I guess if you want to call it this, but this was kind of like the uh, mid-season finale, I guess you can say, or I, I it felt like that, um, even though this is going to get a consecutive two cower though, as we know. So there will be no breaks, I assume. Uh, I haven't heard nothing about any of them, but 
this was basically a really good, you know, mid-season finale. So, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And, and like they cleaned up the arc and they ended at a nice spot for us to head into the second, I'm assuming 13 episodes of the show. So, yeah, it should be 13 or maybe, you know, it might be 24. Uh, who knows? Uh, oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant another 13 episodes. I don't know if it's 24 or 26. Yeah, so we'll see. But uh, I'm excited to see what happens next. See, I, I'm assuming the next couple, three episodes or something, or maybe even more than that, uh, we'll be introduced to another, some more stuff going on. So, Yeah, definitely ex- excited to see what the next arc is. Do you want to get us into JJK? Yeah, let's do this. Uh, we're going to get into Jujutsu Kaisen, um, episode 10 of season two, called Pandemonium. And the unthinkable has happened. Gojo has been sealed. But Mekimaru has a plan. Will it work? Maybe if everyone gives it their all, is all I'm going to say. Uh, but basically, we start this episode going straight back to Itadori and his earpiece. Um we was kind of wondering who, or I was kind of wondering who, uh, who was on the other side of the earpiece. And Dan said, Dan called it. He said it was Mechamaru. And, uh, it turns out that it is Mechamaru. Uh, he said it, he said it this time. He's like, I'm Mechamaru, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, he explained it all. So yeah, I was, to you, bro. yeah, I was really ex- surprised to see he's still alive. I mean, I've read this manga, so I thought he was dead after his giant Evangelion fight with uh, Mahito. Yeah. And turns out, you know, um, he is dead, though. Uh, But he left a few, I guess you can call spies, is what he calls them, or something like that. Um, Basically, one of them is the earpiece uh, that Itadori has. So that's pretty interesting. And uh, basically, he's just telling Itadori that Gojo has been sealed. And uh, Itadori and Maymay just isn't believing it uh, at all. They're they're in denial. They're like, you know, why should we believe you? Where's the proof at? So it was pretty interesting to see that. And and it was pretty funny at first, too, because Itadori's over here just trying to, like, destroy it. He's like, oh, shit, where did this come from? It just starts like trying to smash it the first instinct. And I really enjoyed that. It was a bit of fun humor uh, before, before everything got so serious. So. Yeah. And then after that, we go back to Gojo and uh, Kinkaku or ghetto, you know, and what's his name now? Kinkaku, I think. Kinjaku. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure. I don't. I didn't know if they actually said his name or not yet. So I wasn't paying attention that much in that last episode. I guess oh, I just know these things because uh, this show has been spoiled to me so many goddamn times at this point. Oh, okay, okay. I, <laughs> I just you. get I get all of the JJK manga news on my Twitter feed, and I can't get rid of it. I've I've like literally blocked out the words <laughs> Jujutsu Kaisen. I've done it all, and it still shows up. So I don't know what I got to do. <laughs> Yeah, I feel that. I've got I've got some words spoiled. I mean, uh, blocked on Twitter uh, here recently, so it's helped some. But I, every time I see a Jujutsu Kaisen related post, especially 
Um, if it's like looks like manga, I just like scroll past it really quick. <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully I don't like pick up anything out of my peripheral. So uh, definitely. But so Gojo, before he sealed away, he asked Ghetto, "How long are you gonna let him control you?" And you see Ghetto's hand twitch, and then he actually grabs his throat and starts choking him. And like this really caught New Ghetto or Brain Ghetto, whatever we're gonna call him, off guard. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, this is so fascinating. This has never happened before. Like this is like an innate." muscle spasm that's just trying to kill me right now this is crazy yeah and, and it, it was it was it was uh it was so good they done this scene so good because he was trying to choke himself and you could see him kind of fighting for life kind of or struggling to breathe and then all of a sudden uh mr brain or whatever uh just kind of makes ghetto laugh maniacally and i love that scene so Definitely. We got Gojo being cocky as all hell to be like, hey, man, if you're going to seal me, hurry up and do it. I, I, this, this is boring. <laughs> and they finally seal Gojo and um, Ghetto and the other curses are talking about how they can only use the seal once. Gojo successfully sealed and we go back to Itadori. So she, he's having a conversation with Meimei, who doesn't believe Mechamaru. He, she's like, that. you can't seal Gojo. That ain't going to happen. But especially since Mechamaru was killed by Mahito. And Mechamaru goes into it. This was a backup plan. I snuck in three puppets. One was like a camera. One was the earpiece. And I, do we see the third one yet? Um, I think we do. I think we see it. Um, I forget where. Uh, oh, yeah, I don't I don't know. Actually, I don't know if we actually see the third one. Um. We see two. Uh, one's get a uh, uh, Itadori's earpiece, and then one's a camera, and then the third. I really don't think we see a third, honestly. Yeah, that'll be exciting. But so, so Mechamaru goes into a little more detail that there's four veals now uh, trapping those normal people inside the smaller area with Gojo. There's the one trapping Gojo inside. There's one keeping the sorcerers from entering to help Gojo. And the last feel is trapping everybody inside the larger area of Shibuya. So after that, Mechamaru gives them instructions to follow. He tells Itadori to go back to the Meiji Shrine Station, go to Shibuya from the surface, and tell everyone that Gojo is sealed. We need everybody to go help recover Gojo, and he tells Meimei to hold off cursed users to allow Itadori to escape and do this. Yeah, because at this time, um, we didn't mention that there's actually a couple cursed users or uh, cursed spirits or something like that coming towards them from the train tracks. And uh, Mechamaru senses that and tells them about it. And like, you know, y'all should get ready. There's people coming after you. That's that's why I, I believe I can trust in y'all because there's people coming to kill y'all. I don't believe y'all are traitors, which is something um something like interesting mechamaru believes there's uh traitors spies inside the jujutsu uh um sorcerer uh world i guess um helping ghetto mr brain and mahito out so yeah and they're, kind of, 
they kind of alluded to that a couple episodes too, where they're like, hey, we know there are people providing information to Ghetto. One is at a very high level that we can't touch right now. And then there's someone lower and that's who we're going to go after. And that was Mechamaru. So they're definitely onto something with that. Yeah. Uh, it turns out Mechamaru wasn't the uh, spy though, um, apparently. No, he uh, definitely was, but he was doing it oh, to get his body back. Yeah. Can't really but, blame him. <laughs> but he doesn't know who the other one is, though. The mm. uh he just he just has assumptions, I guess, uh, of who's not, but So after that we go back outside of the veil into Shibuya and the sorcerers are getting ready to take action. All three teams enter, they're focusing on the transfigured humans the ones who lowered the veil, and rescuing people. So there's three teams. There's Team Zenin, Team Nanami, and Team Kusakabe. Ijushi gets stabbed multiple times by Haruta while trying to establish communication with the other assistant managers. He gets the order to kill the rest of the managers outside of the veil as well. After that, we go back to Ghetto again. One of They notice the visual, the camera that Makamaru placed and they destroyed it. They said that they can't... Well, actually, sorry, they said this before they destroyed it. They said they won't be able to finish... Won't be able to move the prison seal for a while because it still has to finish processing Gojo. There's this crazy scene where the prison seal falls to the floor, like leaves a crater in it, and all the eyes on it are replaced with Gojo's eyes. Yeah. That shit was so, nuts. So it was like red, reddish eyes of the prison, the square prison seal thing um it had like a bunch of red eyes on it and if you notice it's kind of like a dice um die um it had like six eyes five eyes four eyes it's like a it was like all the eyes represented numbers on like a die did you notice that i didn't notice that but that makes sense you know i figured it was just a cube but i like how they put uh different amounts of eyes on different sides to kind of resemble a die yeah well i didn't see all of it but you know it's I've seen enough to make it make it look like a die. And like Dan said, all the eyes was replaced by blue eyes, which was, you White know, dragons. resembles Gojo's. Yeah. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> might be rewatching yu gi on the side occasionally, <laughs> you know. Because why not? I mean, why not, you know? he's That's a pretty, that's a pretty good uh, show from childhood. I heard it was kind of trash though if you go back and watch it now so i just the nostalgia dude it's just yeah. overflows like no the plot is not good at all but like <laughs> most shonen animes from our childhood honestly didn't have good plots i mean all it is is like literally just a bunch of ass pools over and over right leave my man out of this <laughs> the pharaoh and yugi got out they're the king of the ass pools, dude the king of the games <laughs> But yeah, uh, getting back to uh, Gojo and his little uh, blue-eyed uh, dice. Um, uh, he, apparently, Gojo's just chilling inside um, with a bunch of skeletons and says that physical time isn't passing in there. And then he's like, oh, oh, well, it'll all work out somehow. And that he's counting on everyone outside. <laughs> so he's just going to like just take a nap, I guess. I'd be so. chilling. What else he going to do? <laughs> Yeah, so I was kind of um when all that happened, when all the uh, eyes uh, appeared and stuff with the die, I was like, okay, is uh is Gojo gonna come out of there somehow? And I got my hopes up a little bit, but no, 
he he i guess he it's not you know gojo it's gojo proof so yeah it'll be interesting to see how they eventually if they do get him out of the seal you know yeah i mean they're working on it um so i guess uh like dan was saying before uh one of mekamaru's uh things spies or whatever was a camera and um it actually uh catches ghetto talking to mahito and uh tojo and all them and telling them like you know we won't be able to go anywhere um or i won't be able to go anywhere for a little while because gojo has to finish processing before we can move this cube this die um because this die weighs a ton now and it's not going to be moved until he's finished so so he's basically stuck there if he wants to take the you know cube with him so yeah and after that so everybody decides to stay with ghetto for now and they start talking and they start talking about how um like they want to kill itadori like mahito fucking hates (laughs) the guy and is it haraku what was his name uh you're talking about the dude um blood guy blood guy chozo chozo they're both like yeah fuck that kid we we should we should kill him and chozo wants to kill him for revenge basically so and mahito just didn't like that he got pieced up by him (laughs) yeah and the only one that doesn't want to kill him is uh tojo and or jogo i don't know why i'm saying tojo jogo um Jogo wants he doesn't want to kill him. He wants to feed him the rest of the fingers and that way Sukuna can come out and play forever. So Yeah, and they get in this whole conversation. They're like, Well, we sealed Gojo. Do we really need Sukuna? Yeah. Like that was kind of the the backup plan. Like if we couldn't seal Gojo and take him out of the mix, like we'd resurrect Sukuna and rain hell with the King of Curses. So basically, they decide to play a little game. And it's whoever gets the Itadori first can decide what to do with them. <laughs> if they can, you know, if they can follow through with their plans, you know. Because Itadori, he's a, he's a force to be reckoned with still, so. Definitely. So the other curses leave to go find Itadori. And Ghetto then notices Mimiko and Nanako, who are ghetto's little friends that he saved back in the day and he's like they're like look we've killed all these monkeys like <laughs> give us ghetto's body back and uh new ghetto is slowly sitting there like that that ain't gonna happen like if you want to make a promise with a sorcerer you gotta make a pact like yeah. i ain't giving you shit and what's funny is uh, when they sh- when they first showed up uh, in the first opening like conversation, he basically said that the transfigured humans that was you know that was just mindlessly walking around was smarter than those two. And I was like, damn, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's talking some smack, <laughs> and he's just like, get the fuck out of here! I'm gonna kill you. So they leave. <laughs> And after that, we get a scene with Itadori. He makes it back to the station and goes on the roof. And he's literally just screaming Nanami's name the entire time for like a minute, right? Like, this is a while. And he's screaming, Nanami. 
And he's screaming na to me. And then he starts going like na 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 money. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? He got bored, bro. Okay. He's such a clown. <laughs> but he was still like yelling. He was still like yelling uh na na me and doing his shenanigans as like I think Meg uh me, uh what's his name? Megamine? Mega yeah, Megami. Megumi, right? Is that his name? Mega Megumi? Meg- Megumi, uh, yeah. Yeah, he shows up behind him and he's like, hey, hey, Itadori. And he just ignores him and just keeps on yelling. And he has to go over there and hit him on the head. I I, I love the way that they throw comedy into these uh, episodes because, uh, you know, any other show, they wouldn't. Uh, this, 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 is a, this is a serious time right now. And they just, they just insert these com- comedic uh, relief parts um, out of nowhere. And I love it, so... Definitely. And so Nanami's team is Nanami, Megumi, and Ino. And basically, after they get Itadori to shut up, <laughs> they're talking. <laughs> and Ino says there's two things that are going to happen if we don't succeed in freeing Gojo. One, the collapse of the Gojo clan, because he is currently the only member remaining, and the collapse of the balance of power between the curses and the sorcerers. And this is kind of what they were talking about. The curses were with Ghetto that they don't need to revive Sukuna at this point because Gojo is gone. Yeah, and, and also they they said they went on to explain back then too that um right now they're like a fifty fifty power struggle. Um, but if they brought Sukuna back, it would be way over on the side of the curse users. But they couldn't control Sukuna, is what they they was worried about. Um, even though that it would be a time, it would be like the curse. The curse is time to thrive. Sukuna would just be running wild because no one could handle him. So, yeah, it's essentially you know Jogo is like I want to have the same freedom that humans have, and if we bring back Sukuna, I actually don't know if that'll happen. You know, because the king of the cur- king of curses is he's a scary guy. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. crazy episode. Yeah. And basically, you know, the power balance will be, you know, collapsed because if you think about it, a lot of these curses are like being good and staying hidden and staying quiet because of Gojo. And now that now if it gets out that Gojo is sealed, then all these curse curse users and spirits that have been quiet because of him will come out to play. Because what do they got to fear? Gojo's gone. So yeah, so that'll be crazy. Uh, you want to get into One Piece? Yeah, let's do it. So on to One Piece ten seventy eight. We have the climax of the not the not boxing part of the Wano arc, but we have what is the emotional climax of Wano. So a new dragon, like last episode, flew over the flower capital, and the fire festival is about to last a little bit longer. <laughs> so the episode starts out with people starting to realize that Momonosuke isn't Kaido as they start seeing Hiori and the retainers walk out of the dust. There's one guy and he's screaming. Everybody's running away. He's like, wait, it's not Kaido. Don't worry. Come back. We got to see what's going on. And news is spreading really quick that the Red Scabbards are back. 
Yeah, they got the uh, the uh, snail transponders, the video ones uh, up and at it. You know, they're being broadcast all over the uh, all over Wano. So they're seeing this everywhere pretty much. And, you know, at first they think it's Kato still. And then they're like, no way. That don't look like Kato. Who's that? And, they, you know, as they see all the, you know, scabbards come out, like they start to realize, oh, okay. This is something, something's happening. Something, something's going on. Let's, let's see what's going on. So definitely, man. And before that, we kind of go back to Onigashima where we have Yamato talking to Frankie, Usopp and Brooke. And she's like, no, I'm on your team, guys. I swear I'm not here to fight you. I might be Kaido's son, but I'm on your team and has to convince him of that. And then she says she's going to join the crew. And everybody's all excited, and you just got Jinbei over there, like, well, we got to hear from the captain first. <laughs> and he proceeds to pan over to Luffy, who's just passed the fuck out in bandages, choppers working on him. Like, they're not going to hear for a while, so we got to ride that one out a little bit. Yeah, uh, and it makes you realize that even though you know Yamato's been uh, fighting on Luffy's side for a while, that. You know, Frankie and all of them, they really don't know Yamato that much. And they really didn't. That just shows you how big, big this battle was and how much, you know, how, how many people was fighting on different levels. So, like, they didn't even know Yamato was on the team. They didn't, they thought, you know, they were fixing a fighter. So... It was pretty interesting that they chose to uh, show this scene because it just really shows the scale of it all, I guess you can say. Yeah, definitely. And then her being an ally was really cemented when a bunch of the the remnants of the Beast Pirates were like, oh, we got to get out of here. We got to run. And you just see Yamato standing there like, hey, you guys ain't going anywhere. I'm going to kick your ass if you try to. (laughs) And they stopped pretty quick. Yeah, they they was they didn't want to be turned into slaves, but we all know that you know Luffy ain't gonna turn nobody into slaves, bro. That's what he's fighting for, you know. Definitely, so. man. I mean, that's just what Luffy does, you know. Yeah. And after that, we kind of get a little breakdown of uh, Thomas Power a little more. Uh, it goes into that it only lasts until the moon looks the same in the sky, which we all know is a month. So basically, her powers last for a month. And then depending how the animal she took over, or I guess she, I don't say took over, but the animal she uh, used her power on, they can make a decision at the end of the month whether they want to say stay or go back into the woods. They had a really funny graphic with a bear who like the month happened and the bear was all pissed off and went back into the woods. So I thought that was <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically... And also, like, she asked um, Horse Lena, or a.k.a. Speed, you know, the centaur. She asked, it was, it was a really wholesome, cute scene. She asked her to be her mommy, um, which they already call her Mommy-chan, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Horse Lena is the subbed English uh, name or whatever, but it's, they call her Mommy-chan, so. But, yeah, that shit was cute. Yeah. Um... But yeah, uh, and after all this, uh, we go back to the flower capital, and basically Momonosuke is introduced to the people um, by uh, what's his name, Dinjiro. 
uh, Dendro comes out with the rest of the retainers and, um, you know, and it's like they all kneel down and they, they said, you know, this is, this is the, your Shogun now, uh, Monosuke and Momo comes out and yeah, this is the first time we actually get to see him. See Momo is an older, uh, older, what? 20, 28, 28 year old, even though he's not truly 28. So, well, would you? I, I mean, technically he is because he yeah. was born 28 years ago. The whole scent of the future thing. I mean, he's kind of back where he should be. You know, it's weird. Kind of, except not mentally. Yeah, he's <laughs> mentally still an eight year old, which leads to some funny scenes down the line. Did you did you uh, like how he looked and stuff? And I know we've seen it in the manga, but I loved Momo's design and it didn't hit me how big and how freaking ripped he was until in the anime. Like his neck, it's that shit was thick. That was yeah. a trunk, dude. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he, he may have all of them fooled. Um, I wonder if he can like... I wonder if he's actually capable of using his strength that he looks like he has. You know what I mean? I mean, he did as a dragon, so I don't see why not, you know? Yeah. So I guess we'll see. Um, hopefully not anytime soon. But basically, Momo is making his, intro, uh, making his, giving his speech out. He was like, you know, the fire Festival will not end today. Um, you can start whatever business you want to start. He doesn't care. You can drink all you want to drink. He don't care. The well water will be free now, um, which is crazy that it wasn't free before, but that's what happens when you got Orochi and Kato in charge. Uh, factories won't be allowed to release any more poison to uh, taint the land. Uh, the land Wano is no place for slavery. And that y'all don't need to suffer anymore. So that's a pretty good uh, opening speech um, coming out. I mean, it gives the people a lot of hope. So definitely. And before he gave his speech, I really enjoyed the scene with you know you had uh, Denjiro and Com. I'm not. It's not Komarasaki. Walking out. And you just see freaking uh, Kinemon like, wow, you guys are pretty famous, huh? Like, do you think anybody's <laughs> going to remember us? And then everybody's like, holy shit, it's Foxfire Kinemon. There's Kamamatsu. There's like everybody. And I love that scene. The fact that these people haven't seen them for 20 years and they still remember them for being Odin's, you know, retainers. I thought that scene was awesome. What did you think about Kinemon's entrance? The the old Odin entrance. I loved it, dude. I absolutely loved it. That was awesome. The old cross-eyed shit, bro. That, I it had me laugh. I was like, no way, Kinemon is actually gonna do some stupid shit right now. They wish they had that noise they'd make whenever Odin did it like that. Noise. I wish they had that. Cause that would have been great. Yeah, that. Um, I mean. I, I really enjoyed that. I'm he's he's showing he's showing uh uh Odin respect, you know, in his own way. So he's Definitely. letting him know. So and while so they actually set the light screens up for the snails in all over uh Wano, including in Onigashima. And while Tama's watching this, she kind of breaks down and we get a flashback of her just to see how tragic her life's actually been. And good for her being as positive as she is because 
it shows people dying his slaves like she walked out to the her parents were working at the factory and she just didn't see them come back and she sat there for who knows how long before somebody walked up and was like otama i'm sorry your parents they're gone and it's just she's like a like a five-year-old you know like this is heartbreaking and then to feed herself and her little dog um she basically tries she makes hats and tries to sell them and she's not having any luck because nobody has any money and then tengu finally buys a hat and gives her you know like tells her to stay hopeful the kazuki clan the kazuki clan is coming back and she really took that to heart and to see that finally happen and like the way she reacted was really really hit home for me yeah, it was it was pretty heartbreaking to see, you know, av- even after she lost her, you know, parents or whatever, and she became homeless and she was starving and her dog was starving and all that good stuff. Even when she was trying to sell hats and nobody was buying nothing, she always was, you know, carefree and laughing and smiling and having a good time, you know, and and. If I'm not mistaken, she never eat a smile fruit. So that was uh, just her positive outlook in life. And that, that kind of hit, um, hit harder than a lot of the backstories that we've seen, in my opinion. So This season has had so many tragic backstories. I'm not going <laughs> to put it at the top. I mean, seeing um, the one last episode with, oh, what's her name? Uh, yeah, uh, the smile, the smile girl with the, uh, I forget her name, man. And the old hedgehog dude, like seeing that hit way harder. And then the episode before Luffy finally defeated Kaido with that whole recap of actually what was going in Wano. Like this didn't hit as hard as those did for me, you know? No, it didn't. But, um, it just, it's just, it's just so heartbreaking still to see, a kid like that uh putting on a brave face and you know uh oh, definitely keeping on trying you know like i teared up but you know i tear up a lot so uh it was just sad i thought we was done with this uh, sad done with this sad shit um as of last last few episodes so and now they come back and give it to us a little bit more so i think we're officially done <laughs> thank god I mean, we've been thinking we've been done for a couple episodes now. So. Tyler, Tyler's heart can't handle any more pain, dude. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just where's the feast at, bro? Just give us the feast. So, give but, us the party, and I think that's gonna be next episode. So, but then the episode ends, and it's Momo continuing his speech, and I loved this scene. He like looks at Kinemon. He's like, "What else do I say?" Like. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta finish this off pretty strong. And Kinemon's just like, say something cool. Yeah, show off, show off a bit, you know, say something cool. <laughs> and Momo then tells them that Kaido and Orochi are gone. The Mink Pirate Samurai Ninja Alliance defeated them. And there's this really funny scene back in Onigashima with Kid like, what alliance? What are you talking about here? He has no idea what's been going on this whole time. He's just in a box. Yeah. I, I, well, I'm pretty sure Luffy wouldn't know what was going on either, but he's the one that made the alliance kind of. So. <laughs> and that they're gone. We defeated them. And he said that his name means peerless. 
and tells him that he is the ruler now and that he needs their help to rebuild Wano. And the episode ends with them walking towards the um, the castle and the capital up on that big ass cherry tree. Yeah, so this is a pretty pretty decent episode. You know, um, it's about the same as last week. So next week we should get like the feasts and all that good stuff and and what a party at. Yeah, the party. We're we're partying next week, hopefully. So I need Chopper with some freaking freaking chopsticks in his nose, man. I haven't seen we haven't seen that in a minute. We need Zoro with a booze bottle, you know, instead of laying up beside Luffy. So Yeah, we, we we need a lot of partying. I'm excited. Yeah, so I mean, we'll see, I guess. We'll see what's going on. If if there's not a party next week, I'm riding, bro. So <laughs> <laughs> we gotta we gotta let everybody wake up before there's a party right we're gonna just have another whole episode of luffy lying on a oh, stretcher <laughs> my goodness. i hope not man uh but awesome guys really hope you enjoyed this weekly rundown uh we'll be back on thursday with another episode of the bullshit hour if you guys have any topics from the latest episodes before we talk about them Make sure to hop in the Discord, linktree.com slash animedgens. If you get them in there before Monday night, we'll be able to talk about them. So give that a go, and we'll catch you guys on Thursday. See ya. Later.